there. Betsy, happy birthday. I didn't know it was your birthday. But happy birthday. <laughs> I pray that the time that you were in Jamaica, you was relaxing. I always say that's where the Holy Spirit lives. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed it. You and your husband and whoever went with you, I hope that, you know, you guys took these few days to really relax. Amen. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? Amen. So we're going to continue, but first and foremost, let me, you know, for a lot of you, you guys know that my dad is in the hospital. Um, you know, we're, we're still believing and we're still trusting, you know, whatever it is that God wants, whatever he wills, right? That's at the end of the day, that's what we want. And so it's, it's hard, right, seeing your parent there in that bed defenseless and, you know, in that condition. And when I saw him, it was just like, OMG, like, you know, uh, my, the relationship between my father and I wasn't always the greatest. But you know how it is. That's still your parent. That's still your dad. And so just seeing him in that bed, like, truly broke my heart. And, you know, it's, I tell you that if I didn't have God in my life, I don't know what I would have done. You know, God definitely played a huge factor. And, yeah, there were moments that I cried because I'm human. And seeing someone in that condition, you kind of like, oh, my gosh. But then, then as soon as, you know, I realized, but wait a minute, we have God. And so I was able to really rest on his peace and his love and, and just knowing that he has everything under control. And that's what I love about God, right? And the moments that we break down, Holy Spirit kind of, you know, draws us back and reminds us who we belong to. And because we belong to a mighty and a powerful God, at the end of the day, everything will be okay. How many can say amen to that? Amen. So today we're going to continue. We're continuing um, speaking um, about the core values that we discussed during the membership class. And so today... The title for today's sermon is in the form of a question. I'm like, dang, how can I bring this? There's so many ways that you could bring this. But you know what? I just want to talk about two things this morning, right? I want to keep it practical, something that we can use, something that we can, right, understand and not get all theological with it, but just two things that we can take and we can live with every single day. Are you guys ready? So the question, will you trust the process? That's today's sermon, <laughs> will you trust the process, right? And, and it's, it's crazy because, you know, as I'm sitting here or as I was sitting, um, you know, getting this sermon ready, I'm just like, God, like this is the third time in the core values that I had to speak that I'm truly, literally is going through that which I have to speak about. So when we're talking about process, and I think about what my dad is going through, what my siblings were going through, and I'm just like, God, you just couldn't come at the perfect timing. And so will you trust, trust the process? Will you trust the process when you need God to come through, and it seems that the very thing that you need him to come through for you, it's more like a dream and not a reality. Will you trust the process when life is not what you pictured it to be? Will you trust the process when we are waiting for that unanswered prayer, right? And it seems like every door keeps on closing. It seems like, like the things don't go the way we expect, right? Life doesn't go the way we expect. But even so, will you still trust the process anyway? 
Will you still trust the process anyway? But what does it mean to trust in the process? I'm going to begin with step number one. The first step in trusting the process is about letting go. Letting go. I heard that so loud and clear in my life. That Holy Spirit was telling me the first thing I need to do is to, I need to, do is to let go. Right? We're so obsessed with trying to control every detail of our lives. We're so obsessed to try to organize things in our lives in such a way in where we come out looking good. And God was telling me the first step in trusting in the process that I have for you is letting go, right? When we don't see the results that we hope to see, without even realizing, we start dabbling into our lives, right? We start maneuvering or manipulating things in our lives so that it can work out in our favor. And when we're praying for something, and where we're hoping for something, and when we don't see it, then without realizing, we're start, we, we dabble into our lives. And God says, you got to let go. You have to let go. And so there's countless stories in the Bible where God would speak to the person and God would say, I have called you for this, or I see this, or, or you're born for this. And when that thing which God has prophesied over their lives doesn't happen, they start doing things on their own. We see examples like Abraham in the Bible, right? Everyone, when we think about the name of Abraham, he's a father of faith, right? But no one knows that God had promised them him a generation of thousands and thousands upon thousands. And here's Abraham. I, I could imagine 90, 100 something years old. And that very thing that God promised him that he would have, he doesn't have. It's almost saying, how long, God, do I have to wait for this? And what happens is that then his wife begins to dabble in, right? She's like, listen, I'm getting old. I'm getting past that age. And that thing that God has, has prophesied over your life, Abraham, like I don't see it happening. It's almost as, they, it's almost as she wasn't trusting in God. And so here she comes and she starts dabbling into supposedly God's plans. And what happens? He, he, she she um, asks him to sleep with you know one of her servants and little and and next thing you know she's pregnant and what happens when you dabble in before your time what happens when you start touching things in your life when when God is asking you to let go look what Abraham did he he went outside of the will of God right and he slept with this woman and today's day we're paying for that Today's day, we're paying for that decision. How are we paying for that decision? The animosity between the Jews and the Arabics. That was the, that was the, the baby that was born outside of, of what God wanted was the Arab nation. And so nowadays, we see all that with the, with the Arabs and the Jewish people. They don't like each other. Well, the majority of them, Right? There's, there's a struggle, a war. They, 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 they're warring for the land. But all this started because Abraham and Sarah didn't know how to wait. So I think in our lives, how many times, right, when the waiting, and, and this was the second part. I don't know why I'm saying this in the beginning. <laughs> but how many times in our lives, right, 
you know, we have this dream that I believe that God has placed within us. And we have this hope for something. And, and it's day in and day out and nothing happens. And how many times do you feel like you want to do something about it? But God says you got to let go. You got to let go. And so me, myself, being confronted with so many challenges throughout my lifetime, some that I never thought I was able to make it, some that I thought I was like, this right here, this is it. But guys, when I tell you that once I decided to let go, it's as if God picked me up from the floor and he placed me on higher ground. When I decided to let go, the prison doors of depression in my heart were open, and I began to experience freedom when I let go. And so trusting in the process is about letting go. It's not about being so consumed and overtaking by your circumstances. And especially in this day and age, right, this last few years, we have been through hell and back. And God says, are you going to trust the process by letting go or are you going to allow the situation, whatever event that is happening in your life right now, are you going to allow it to overtake you or are you going to let go and trust me? So that's a challenge question because it's easier said than done, right? But look what Psalms 46.10 says. And I'm going to read this in the NIV. It says, be still. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. I'm going to read it again. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Every time, you know, especially me that I've been like raised in church when every time someone says that, you know, be still in worship, right? Like, like, think about God and fear God. Be still. But you know what? I want to break this down a little bit. So the word be or the words be still, in the Hebrew, it means to cease. It means to be inactive. The word be still in Hebrew, it means to surrender. It means to stop what you're doing. Matter of fact, it says drop your weapons. In other words, let go. So be still, he says, be still. In other words, let go. Be inactive. Don't try to figure things out. But let go and know that I am God. Now the word know, K-N-O-W, in the Hebrew is used in a sense of acknowledgement, right, to recognize, right? In Hebrew it means to admit something or to confess um, look at this part. The word know that I am God, it also means learn that I am God. It also means see that I am God. So God is saying, let go and learn that I am God. Because when you let go, you're going to see God move in your life in such a powerful way that you're going to learn that he is God. Right? So here we have, he says, be still, let go, and know that I am God. And then the ending of this verse says, I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in all the earth. I am exalted means that I rule. 
God says, I rule. I am above all. The word exalted means I dominate. So when God says, when God gives the people of Israel instructions, and he says, be still and know that I am God, that I will be exalted among the nations, he's saying, let go, surrender it all, stop trying to control everything, and learn that I am God. Why? Because I rule. Why? Because I'm above all things. Why? Because my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God says, let go. And I don't know about you, but I struggled with that. Because I like to have plan A, B, and C. Like if plan A ain't going, I'm going with plan B. And so forth. But God is saying, nah, you can't do that. And so letting go will require a shift in the way we see things. Not only it requires to let go, but in order for us to let go, it would require a change, a shift in the way we're seeing things. Now for the main verse of today's message, go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And I'm going to read in the NIV as well. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. It says this. I, ain't even, I just thought about it. I didn't even pray before I, <laughs> before I started. God, you know things. <laughs> Have your way. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord. And we know this verse, right? We could, we could kind of say verbatim, right? We heard it so much. And it's like once someone says that, boom, we got it. But look, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. You know, it's just, it's crazy how the word of God, there's so many nuggets, right, that we can learn. If we take the time to really sit in the word of God and break down that word and really meditate on it, we can see that each and every time we could read the same verse and each and every time is doing something new in our hearts. So it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. I love the ending of this verse in the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version says this, and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. But in order for God to remove the obstacles that block your way, you have to what? Trust in the Lord. The word trust is almost as letting go, right? Letting go, and God will remove the obstacles that blocks your way. How many can shout amen to that? So one of the things that we believe here at Passageway is that trusting in the process is knowing that he who called us will provide a way. God will provide a way. Amen? So there's so much meat in this verse. I'm going to break it down. Trust in the Lord means this. To trust in the Lord means to rely on or depend on. Let's go a little deeper. It means to have confidence in. To trust in the Lord means trust God as the goal or object means to regard him as the source of wisdom and power in all things. And therefore, because he is the source of wisdom and power of all things, then my entire confidence is on him. That's what it means to trust in the Lord. It's not only to rely on him. It says to lean on him, right, without, without being afraid. 
to have confidence in what? That God is the source of wisdom and power over all things. And because of that, he is worthy of our entire confidence. Trust in the Lord with all your heart means this. With all of your mind, your full force of the mental faculties, your intuition, your will, your perception, your memory, your reason, your faith, all that you are is to trust the Lord entirely without restoration, without holding anything back. But with your thoughts, right, with your emotions, with your intuition, with your memory, all that you are, you're trusting in the Lord. How many can say amen to that? Now this verse goes deeper. It says, not only trust in the Lord with all your heart, but then it says, lean not on your own understanding. In other words, don't trust in your own intelligence, but rather put your entire confidence on God. Don't trust in your own intelligence, but put your entire confidence on God. In other words, don't think that your own understanding will be enough to help you. I don't care how much life experience you have or schooling or theology or whatever it is. Don't you think that that in itself is enough to help you? No, you, you must trust God with all of your thinking. So God says, lean not on your own understanding. Guys, what that tells me that at times our minds can't be trusted. At times our thoughts can't be trusted, right? Why is this? Because our minds and our thoughts are shaped by how we interpret life. Our minds and our thoughts are shaped about how we experience life. Every event in our life as a little child up until now, our thoughts and our mind are shaped by those experiences. And so when our minds are triggered, when we confront an event, a circumstance, whatever the case may be, and our minds are triggered, what happens is that the habitual patterns sneak in without you even knowing. The way you're used to doing things throughout your life sneak in. And here we go. We got negative self-talk, right, that takes over. And what happens, God says, don't lean on your own understanding. Because in your own understanding, when you're going through this mess, it's telling you all stuff that's contrary to what I want for your life. How many can shout amen for that? So at times, we must get out of our own heads and into the word of God. God says, don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, if I can't lean on my thoughts, where do I lean to? I'm meaning on the word of God. Right? Because the word of God is power. The word of God changes. And so what I'm going to do is now moving forward, whenever a thought comes into my mind that's negative, whenever a thought that comes to my mind that's contrary to what God wants in my life, I'm going to submit those thoughts under the authority of God, under the word of God, and allow the word of God to transform my mind. Not, do not lean on your own understanding. Don't think because you've lived this life for such a long time that your thoughts is going to take you there because it's not. Amen? And I love that verse. So we must get out of our own, he on our own heads and into the word of God. 
There's another part of trusting the process that I want to speak with you guys this morning. And the part that I want to speak to you guys this morning is about the waiting period. When you're in the process, you're in the waiting period. There's a quote by, by Mandy Hale, and she says this. What we are, and I love this. Like, yo, when I read this, it really, like, like shook me up at all whatsoever, right? Because you, you know what? Everybody, we're all in a process. If we're breathing and we're here today, we're in, a, we're in the middle of that process, right? No one is exempt from the process of life, right? From as, as the moment that you are born until the moment you die, you're in that process, and that's something that we have to understand. And not only that, not only that, not only that we are in a process, but everybody's in a different process. Not everyone is in the same process. So if you see someone else in their process doing things, that doesn't mean that you and your process are supposed to do the same thing. Everyone is in a different process. There's this quote that says, what we are waiting for is not as important. Let me tell you, right, because we're all praying for something. Right? We're all praying that God will come through some way, somehow in our lives, however it, whatever it is. Right? And so we're hoping and we're praying because that's what we know to do. Right? We'll continue to pray. We continue to hope. But you look what this quote says. What we are waiting for is not as important as what happens to us while we are waiting. What we are waiting for, that prayer, right? God, if you could just open this door, Lord, you know I need this right now. But she says that what we are waiting for is not as important as what happens to us while we are waiting. We got to trust the process. There's a wait in the process. And the thing is, the waiting is the most important part of the whole process. Because it is in the waiting and where we are being changed. It is in the waiting and where we are being transformed. It is in the waiting that God is molding us and shaping us and, and getting us ready for what to come. And so we must wait. And the thing is this, that not all storms come to disrupt your life. Some come to clear a path for you. So why am I bringing this up? Because I want us to understand that a storm in my life or in the, a storm in our lives, I don't want us to look at it as a negative way. I want us to look at every mishap. I want us to look at every storm. I want, to look, I want us to look at everything that's contrary to what we want, right, everything that's pulling us away. I want us to look at each and every of those things in our lives as part of the process. God's up to something. So I'm going to face this full force. God's up to something, right? How many can shout amen to that? And I love that. I love that. There's a quote here. Give me one moment. I wasn't going to put it in it, but I'm going to look for it and I'm going to get it. And I love this because God was telling me is in the waiting. Because in this day and age, waiting is hard. In this day and age, we don't want to wait for things, right? We want to hurry up and get things moving. We want to hurry up and make things happen. But God says, watch what happens when you wait. Watch what happens when you wait. One of my favorite speakers, this is what he says.
that everything that you're going through, everything that you're going through is preparing you for why are you, for, wait, I just, I don't butcher that. Everything that you're going through is preparing you for that everything that you are asking God for. Everything that you are going through is preparing you for that one thing you're asking God for. The process is necessary. Could it be that God has allowed you to go through what you're going through so that you could be a blessing to someone else? Could it be that God allowed, did you hear me say allowed? Not that 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 God causes tragedies, but could it be that God allowed you to go through those things so that you could be a blessing to someone else? And when I think about that phrase and I think back about the tragic events that happened in my life and I think about how God somehow turned all of that around and I was able to use that very same thing that broke me to bless someone else. Guys, the waiting process is necessary. So that in order for you to reach your fullest potential, in order for you to reach your destiny, you have to go through some pain. Who says that we're not going to go through some pain? You have to go through some pain. And I love that because it, it gives me hope. So every pain that I've been through, there's a purpose behind that pain. There's a purpose behind that tragedy. There's a purpose behind that closed door. There's a purpose behind everything that you go through. And so now moving forward, I look at life as purpose. Now I can see purpose, right? And so instead of being angry at God because this happened to me, instead of being angry at God because he won't open that door, but I'm like, God, what is it that you want to show me, right? This pain that I'm going through, how can I use this to bless others? Let me tell you something. In the book of Genesis, I think it's chapter 50 around there, we see this story of this young boy named Joseph, right? And when you think about the word process and the waiting period, that right there exemplifies this, this young dude's life. The thing is, the Bible says that he was one of his, his father's favorite kid. And God had blessed Joseph in ways of dreams and where he would give him dreams to like, you know, somehow foretell what the future is coming. And so before he, him even understanding that, he has a dream. And what happens is that he goes and he tells his brothers this dream and his brothers get jealous. They get mad, right? What do you mean? And in the dream, it shows that he's in front of his brothers and his brothers are bowed down to him. And, so, and he has that dream, but they're thinking, like, what did this guy think? He think he's better than us? Bad enough, you got sibling Rowie, right, because his father loves him more than anybody. <laughs> so we're already jealous from the start. And so now what do you think? That I'm going to bow down before you? You crazy? So look what happens, guys. In this story, then the, the brothers, they get together. You know what that brings me to? Sometimes you can't tell people your dreams because sometimes they get jealous. They'll rock with you or they, you think they rock with you, but before you know it, they're behind you, right? They're talking all this or they, they got like, you could tell like they, they, they're upset because you're, you're succeeding. So anyway, the brothers, they come into this thing and they, they, they huddle. Yo, let's do something because this guy thinks blah, 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 blah. So I know they don't want to kill him, but they want to scare him maybe a little bit here and there. To make a long story short, they end up selling him to some slaves or slave buyers. And, and Joseph is on his way to Egypt. 
And mind you, they were born and raised knowing God in the sense of his father taught him to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, right? And so then here he is in Egypt, and mind you, he's devastated because his very brothers, I could imagine him innocent-minded, telling his brothers his dream, and they turn around and sell him? They turn around and, and, and almost like you can say, stab me in the back? What? And so I could imagine Joseph, throughout that process, he's with these um, other, other slave um, individuals, and I could imagine him just thinking and broken, how could they do this to me? And so throughout his entire life, he has his up and down moments, right? There's moments that he's found favor. And the Bible says that he was in, in Potiphar's house. Potiphar, he's like one of the big dogs up there. And so he's now out of jail in this house. And even though he's serving them, but at least he's serving them in a nice house. And he's not in jail. But in there, mind you, he's still praying to God. He's still looking for God because that's what he was taught to do. So in the house, here comes Potiphar's wife looking at, at Joseph and was like, wow, I want some of that. So then she tries to make a pass, but Joseph was like, nope, absolutely not. And so here we go. Joseph is now accused of rape, something that he didn't do, and he's back in jail. But the thing is that over and over, certain events happened to him that landed him back in jail. And I could imagine him like, God, where are you? Like, why is this happening to me? I don't understand, right? And so it was in that jail that God again opened doors for him. The thing is this, to make a long story short is this, that there was a time in history and where there was no, that there was no food. There was a time in history where there was famine. And the people of Israel, they were huge at this time, talking about, what, thousands and at that time, the food is running out. There's nothing growing out of the land. And God purposely orchestrated this. There's nothing coming out of the land. So now they're now starving. And here comes Joseph. Joseph interprets a dream. He uses the very thing that God placed within him to be able to tell the leader at that point, you got to save food because a famine is coming. This and that, this and that, you got to save food. And he said, and they save that food, and they're saved. And so because of that, the king was like, yo, this dude is powerful. He knows everything. Let's bring him up. Now here's Joseph, the second in command. Second in command. What happens? Sure enough, his brothers are on a journey trying to look for food. And when they end up, at Joseph's feet, bow down. The same dream he had at the beginning. And before they realize, you know what's crazy too? That in the Bible it says that when Joseph saw that it was his brothers, he cried. Because it's like that pain came back. Like I, I remember what you guys did to me. <laughs> he cried. But then at the end, I could imagine God working in him. And what happens is that Joseph then, be, then saves a the family. So many things happen. You got to read that story. It's crazy. So in, in other words, the, the people of Israel are saved. They're fed. They're, they move to Egypt and so forth. But, the, but, they, but Joseph said this to his brothers. What the enemy meant for evil, in other words, what you guys meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Why am I bringing this? Because though things in our lives or when people do things in our lives or when things in our lives are not working out, you got to trust the process because God has a bigger plan. 
right? God has a bigger story. And so the Bible says to trust God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge. Joseph always acknowledged God. How he acknowledged God with his life. He didn't sleep with that woman. He knew that was no good under God's eyes. But he's, that's how he acknowledged God with his life. And I love that. There's a last verse that I'm going to share is in Psalms 37. Verse 23 and 25 says this, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. In other words, the Lord makes firm the steps of those who wait on him. The Lord makes firm the steps of those who let go and let God. Right? It says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. And I love this part. Why? Because they're waiting on him. They're not going before him. Lord, I just want to wait on you. And if it feels like I'm going before you, bring me back. Right? Bring me back. I want to wait on you. And it says, though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Then it says, I was young, but now I'm old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Guys, we got to learn how to wait. We got to learn how to wait. Each and every one of us have a, has a calling. I want to read this from this book here. The power behind our story and how God is inviting us. Our, our, our life is already laid out before God. The Bible says that before the foundation of the word, he laid out our life. But what's so merciful and graceful about God is that he invites us to co-write our life with him. And let me tell you, part of that co-writing comes from the waiting period, right? Because when we're waiting, God is, is maneuvering or not maneuvering. He's shaping our thoughts, right? When we're waiting, and not just waiting, but when we're waiting, trusting in God. While we're waiting, we're getting into the word of God. While we're waiting, we're doing what we can, right, to be filled with God. And so in the waiting period, God begins to shape our thoughts, right? He shapes our hearts, right? And so look what, look what it says here. It says, it says that God has crafted, and I believe that this is in the waiting period. I so believe that this is in the waiting period. God has crafted our character Guys, we'll, we change in that waiting period. God has crafted our character and given us a role that, we, that will reveal something about him that no one else's story can reveal quite the same way. So in the waiting period, God is crafting our character. Why? Because it, not because of us, because it's, in, it's imperative for us to reveal God in this world. And in the waiting period, God is crafting. In the waiting period, he's shaping you to be more and more like him. Each and every one of us have something that we have to reveal about God that no one else can. So God shows me that there's purpose. My thing is, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? Are you in the current process right now and where you have no idea what to do? Trust the process. Trust the process and believe. And the thing is, it's more than us. 
It's all about revealing who God is in this broken world. But in order for us to, re to reveal God in this broken world, God has to work in our lives. God has to shape our lives. God has to somehow shape all these experiences that we've experienced since childhood that could have been hurtful, that could have broken us, right? And God begins to shape us. And then now we view every experiences. Guys, I, I challenge you guys this morning to view every negative experience that has happened in your life as a way that, as, as a tool that God will use to bless someone else. There's power to your story. And yeah, a lot of it could be our own decisions and our own mistakes, but God doesn't waste anything in our lives. Everything that we go through, he uses is for our story to reveal who he is. So don't be shy about your story. Embrace it. Learn who God is. Remember we read that. Learn who, be still and know. Learn who God is in the midst of your story. And not only that, we are to go alongside God throughout the process and co-write our story with him. How many can shout amen to that? And so this is the word for today. Another core value here, a passageway, that we believe that because, because we trust the process, we know that God is leading the way. He will never forsake us, and he will never leave us. Amen. That gives me joy, right? Because everything that I went through, it wasn't in vain. <laughs> everything that I went through, I'm like, all right, God, like, how can I use this, this story to benefit or to bless someone else? So let's stand to our feet, guys. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we thank you. For